Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Today is the first in a series I'm teaching on the healing lamb. If I lived in the Old Testament, I could bring Bob's lamb. I could look for a lamb and bring it, and it was my lamb, and it would heal my family and take care of my family. In the New Testament, Jesus was introduced as the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the whole world. I serve a Lord Jesus Christ that can heal and save anybody. Let's get to the Word of God today and talk about the healing lamb. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome back to Student of the Word. Glad you are here. Uh, I want you to turn to Psalm 105. We're going to begin there. I know these scriptures come up on the screen, but you know what? You can't write on your screen. It's better if you got it right here in front of you. You can look at it on the screen, but you go, ooh, and you can write it down next to your scripture here and uh, put it in there uh, right there as the broadcast is going along. So I think that's why it's important to have the Word of God. I want to say thank you again to my supporters, to those who are partners with me. You guys are a great blessing, not only to me, but to the kingdom of God, because you know what? The results of what we're doing here will not be seen Probably 90% will never be seen on this earth. It'll be seen in heaven. And we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And there in that chapter, it tells us we're going to stand before him and be rewarded for the great things we have done in the Lord with the proper motive, with the proper heart toward God and heart toward people. That's the rewards that we're going to be receiving. And the Bible tells us we'll receive many rewards and there's soul winners crowns and all these different things that'll be there. But I'm seeing the giving not only prepares you for time down here, it prepares you for eternity. And yes, God said, if you give, you know, we come back to you with houses and homes and friends and husbands and wives and dads and moms, all those additions to you for giving those things up. But here's the point. The greater rewards are still yet to come in heaven. You're going to meet people you never saw on earth. In fact, you're going to meet them in heaven for the first time. And your finances giving down here won them to the Lord or else helped them to become a great Christian and walking in discipleship. This is what this broadcast is for. The main thing this broadcast is for is I'm coming to you as a pastor and I'm coming to you as a teacher of the word of God. I'm treating you as Bible school students, as a congregation, and you're learning the word of God. And I get so many testimonies of people that have been blessed. Their life has been strengthened, how they've had a question. And I answered it on the broadcast. And they're just talking about how God is leading them and especially through this broadcast. Well, I'm glad for that. All the glory goes to God. I'm simply doing what he asked. But you understand something, even though God called me and equipped me, he doesn't rain down money from heaven. Money comes down here. And so this natural earth, it says that the Lord again gives, but it's through the hands of men. And so you people out there, you know, men, women, young, old, you know, all the ones that are watching this broadcast, you're the ones that support this broadcast. Without God, I couldn't do it. But without you, I couldn't do it. It takes that divine combination of God on one side and, my, and those of you who lift up my hands and help me to, to do this, I'm glad for you. In fact, I think I've got some of the best supporters in the world. So don't tell anybody else, you know, that, that that's what I said, but I still agree that you guys are the best in the world. But there's some of you sitting out there that you know you should be giving. In fact, God spoke to you. The Holy Spirit spoke to you. And you're just not obeying him. Every time you come up, you say, well, I could use it for this. I could use it for that. Well, honestly, stop to think about this. You know, you're not going to be rewarded in heaven for paying all the bills you've got on this earth or for, you know, a scrimping down here on this earth. And there's times we have to. But you know what? For all that you give to God, God promises he'll multiply it back to you. And so 
listen, why don't you just, just bite the bullet and go ahead and do it? You know, quit fighting God and go ahead and do it. Quit questioning the Holy Spirit and do it. And quit comparing God's promise to you that he would supply for you and to give into this ministry and look at the other side and say, yeah, but my needs look so great. And God simply says, you bounce back and forth between two. He said, you're just like a wind, wave in the wind, you know, and you're being driven from side to side. Let that, not that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He doesn't want a person in doubt that vacillates back and forth, but makes the decision. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to put God to the test and put him in his word. And guess what? But the greatest results out of it, not that I'm going to get any, that much back. I plan on getting back a lot because God promised he would give it to me. But the greatest reward is going to be when I meet that guy up there in heaven that was sitting there and turned on you know, this broadcast and watched it. I helped put that broadcast on there. And Bob may think he's going to receive the great reward for preaching the word that day, but I'm going to get some too. And others are going to get some too because we stood with him as partners. Would you become a partner with me? Go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner. Join me in this great ministry of winning people to the Lord and also discipling them for the kingdom of God. A convert gets to go to heaven, but a disciple takes other people's with him. And the great result of us discipling people is they go out and win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let's talk about healing today. In fact, I've got a book called The Grace of Healing, and that's taught in this book, The Grace of Healing, and we're gonna be talking about the healing lamb. And the lamb of the Old Testament at Passover is a symbol and a type of the Lord Jesus Christ and what that lamb represented to the people there. He represents to us only many, many times over. Psalm 105 verses 36 and verse 37 says this, he also struck down all the firstborn in their land, the leaders of all their strength. He brought them out also with silver and gold and there was not one feeble person among them. Passover brought the Israelites out of Egypt and into freedom. The fathers were to find one Passover lamb for the family and the lamb was examined for three days and had to be as spotless as possible. Understand something, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a title to this. This was their lamb. This was the lamb for the family. The father went out and found it and it was good for his family. It didn't help somebody else's family. They had to get a lamb for themselves. The only times that one lamb can be gotten for a couple of families is if one was really, really small. And the number in that was really small. And perhaps father, the father was gone, but they helped, they brought him over, made him a part of their family just for this Passover time. And so this lamb was examined for three days and had to be as spotless as possible. This is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that lamb examined for three days represents the three years of public ministry Jesus had. And he was out in the streets being examined by the people. And for three years, he proved himself to be spotless. There was no sin in him. He never committed a sin. He was born without sin sin and his whole lifetime he was eligible finally to go to the cross and die for us because he was born outside the curse on Adam by a virgin he was born and so he bypassed the nature of the flesh but also living in this earth he unlike Adam who Adam did uh, fall to temptation and sin Jesus was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin I want you to notice what that says it doesn't say he was tempted in all points as you individually are it's all of us he was tempted in all points as we are put all of us together you might have gone through some temptations I haven't gone through I might have gone through some temptations you haven't gone through but guess what Jesus went through more temptations than all of us put together and he came through them all successfully 
The closest Jesus came to actually sinning was the night before when he was arrested and uh, he was praying to the Lord and said, and said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He was tempted in all points as we are, but he said, no, it's not the temptation, it's the sin. It's you yielding to the temptation that is the sin. And so Jesus was tempted in everything that I am and you are and all of us put together, but yet he came through successfully. I want you to notice that the lamb that was chosen in the Old Testament at the time of the first Passover and every Passover after that was considered their lamb. It was for their family. But I want you to notice what's said about Jesus. In John chapter one and verse 29, John the Baptist has been training the people, raising up the people, baptizing them, and kept telling them, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, he's coming, he's coming. And there was a day when Jesus arrived and John the Baptist stopped everything and pointed at him. In John 1, 29, the next day, John saw Jesus coming to him and said, this is to the crowd, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They were so used on Passover to having their own family lamb, their lamb, that now they find out God had a lamb. And the lamb of God isn't for one family, it's for everybody. Your lamb was enough to cover your family. And maybe if the family next door had some, you know, the dad wasn't there and it was a broken family or whatever, those few could come in under this lamb over here, but the lamb didn't cover everybody. And so it was a symbol of Jesus Christ. But when Jesus Christ came along, the first thing said to him in front of the whole crowd was, here's your Passover lamb. And this one takes away the sin of the entire world world. Jesus was God's Passover lamb, not just your personal Passover lamb. The people were to behold or look at or inspect him. This is what happened with the Passover lamb. They watched the Passover lamb for three days. We're going to watch this one for three years. He's going to go through public examination and in everything he's going to find out he is Perfect. What were they looking for back there in the Old Testament? And also in the time of Jesus at the annual time of Passover, they were looking for a perfect lamb. Now, as perfect as could be, there's no such thing probably as an absolute perfect animal, but they looked to all parts of it and they found the absolute best one they could and used it. Jesus was beyond the best one. He was God's lamb and he was absolutely perfect, born without sin and lived without sin and went to the cross and took your sins and my sins and died for it. Again, Jesus is God's lamb. Leviticus chapter three, verses uh, three and four says this, if his offering is a burnt sacrifice from the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. Here it is, a male without blemish. He shall voluntarily offer it of his own will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. He shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for sin. All of this was symbolic. All of this was done as a type of Jesus Christ. And as a type of Jesus Christ, whenever the burnt offering was offered, then the uh, priest came and laid his hand on the head of that. And it was in symbol, taking the sins of the people off of them and placing it on the burnt offering. In other words, they all did this. And so, but it, understand this, the one that was being sacrificed, the, the animal being sacrificed didn't take care of the whole camp, only the family that brought it only those that it represented and it took care of their sins. The next family came up and we had one after another, after another, after another. Thank God there was not two, 300 Jesuses. Thank God one Jesus took care of the sins of the whole world 
past, present, and future. When Jesus was on the cross, his two hands were stretched out like this, one toward the Old Testament, one toward the New Testament, one for all mankind before that, before him, and one for all mankind afterwards. All the sins of the Old Testament were simply atoned for the moment, and they just kept being rolled off and rolled off and rolled off to where when Jesus went to the cross and he was there, all those sins that you know God had was temporarily appeased Jesus Christ went and satisfied God once and for all. And uh, the the propitiation is the word that uh, describes that. Propitiation, the closest of the five senses attached to propitiation, since the word propitiation means satisfied, when God smelled those sacrifices of the Old Testament, the one of the five senses that's closest to propitiation is the sense of smell. And when God would go after the sacrifice, he'd go, that's good, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm appeased for the moment. And then another sin came along, another sacrifices had to be made all the way down. But when Jesus went to the cross, died, was resurrected, the moment he was resurrected, God went, I'm eternally satisfied. No more sacrifices. It is all over. And once Jesus Christ arose from the dead, then all sin situation was settled and all man has to do is not receive because every sin you've ever committed, are committing or ever will commit has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, except for one. It's the one sin Jesus didn't die for and you're held responsible for. What are you gonna do with Jesus Christ? All he says is, all you have to do is receive me. It's not your partying, it's not your uh, uh, sin that you commit, it's not the number of women or men you slept with, it's not any of these things, it's not the drug addiction. It's the one thing keeping you out of heaven, rejection of my son. Now, will you turn that around and receive him? And you have a lifetime to do it, but please do it today. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, I'm gonna give you a chance during the second half of this broadcast to open your heart and become a Christian, a born again Christian by the power of God. See you right after the break. How much faith do I need to be healed? In The Grace of Healing, Bob Yandian answers this question and reveals the missing ingredient to the healing you've been praying for, grace. Throughout church history, the doctrines of grace and faith have been taken to separate extremes as they relate to healing. The result is that many believers struggle to receive healing from God. Those on the side of grace deny the need for faith, believing that God only heals a select few. For those who only see a need for faith, the pursuit of healing becomes a legalistic struggle to change God's mind. Pastor Bob takes a different approach with practical biblical teaching that balances both elements of grace and faith. You'll find the healing you've been waiting for when you find the missing ingredient of grace. To order The Grace of Healing, visit bobyendian.com. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, 
this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. I said at the closing of the first half of this broadcast, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I'm going to do that right now. You know, you might think, well, you know, I'm going to go to hell because of all these bad things. And you can start listing them in your life. Everyone you can list, Jesus took to the cross and died for it. There's just one thing he didn't die for, rejection of himself. And so with all these things, you might stop. Well, I, I did this. He says, it's forgiven. I did. I forgave that. Yeah, I forgave that. Well, then what's keeping me out of heaven? Receiving me as Lord and Savior is the only thing that stands between you and eternal life. And I'm simply telling you right now, if you've never received Jesus, never made him the Lord of your life, just had a testimony sent to us the other day that a young man was watching the broadcast and those around him led him to the Lord because of what was being taught on the broadcast. Hallelujah. A brand new person in heaven. And the Bible tells us angels rejoice over every sinner that repents. And if you repent right now to God, say, in fact, let me just pray with you. Why don't you join in my prayer and mean this from your heart? Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I open myself up to you. I am not a Christian. I've never accepted Jesus. I don't understand all that this encompasses, but I'm going to in the days to come, but I'm gonna take step number one. I'm going to receive you as the Lord and Savior of my life. You died for me. You took my sins that I couldn't get rid of and you got rid of them for me. But right now I take the one sin keeping me out of heaven, rejection of Jesus, and I'm turning that around. I receive you as the Lord and the Savior of my life. And now I am a Christian. I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to eternal life. Welcome to the family of God. I want to go back to this scripture. Leviticus chapter one, verses three and four says, if his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, let him offer a male without blemish, voluntarily offered of his own will. And uh, at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation in front of the Lord, he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering. It shall be accepted for him as an atonement for sin. Let's break that down. First of all, from the herd, Jesus came from all of mankind. He was just one of us out there, except he was different. He was God in the flesh came through the virgin birth. That's why the second thing mentioned about this is find one without blemish. Without blemish means that, listen, none of us could qualify. We all are blemished. Jesus came outside of, of Adam's birth and was born into this earth by the power of God. And so he came into this earth virgin born, uh, no nature of the flesh, no personal sins, uh, no sickness, no poverty, none of that from physical or mental. When Jesus came in this earth and for the whole time he walked here, he walked in the power of God and voluntarily did not accept sin. Voluntary, though he was tempted in all points as we are, did not sin. He went to the cross voluntarily. No one can force you to accept or reject Jesus, but you can voluntarily open up your heart and receive him because why? Satan might control a lot of areas of your life, but he cannot control your will. You can turn to him. And next of all, it says he's brought in before the Lord. Jesus offered himself to God for all mankind. And so they put their hand on the head of the sacrifice. This what represents what God the Father did for you. He took all your sins and then laid them on Jesus Christ. And Jesus took your sin, 
Jesus took your sickness. He took the curses that are in the Bible for you. And listen, you accept him as Lord and Savior and you are automatically right there at that point, transferred out of Satan's kingdom into God's. No more a child of Satan's family. You're a child of God's family. And next of all, it says to make an atonement for the people. Atonement means you didn't do it. Somebody did it for you. You have Jesus righteousness, Jesus riches, and Jesus power in you. Exodus chapter 12, let's take a look at verses three through 10. And here we have that at the Exodus, Israel was to eat all of the lamb. And that's very key, very important. Exodus chapter 12, take a look at verses three through 10. And here uh, the Lord is speaking to Moses and says, speak to all the congregation of Israel and say, in the 10th day of the month, they shall find themselves every man a lamb. According to their fa uh, father's house, a lamb for a house. Notice this, this is our lamb. This is man's lamb representing Jesus for a house. That represents the world, but the, the lamb only could take care of a house. If the household is too small for the lamb, he and the next door neighbor will take it according to the number of persons. Every man, according to his eating capacity, shall make up the count for the lamb. Your lamb will be without blemish a male of the first year. You shall take it out of the sheep or from the goats. This doesn't mean it's a goat, it's the sheeps and goats were together, okay? Grazing together, take one of the sheep. If you take it from the sheep or if you take it from the goats, take a sheep. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel will kill it between the evenings. That's what the Hebrew says. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts on the upper door post of the house and in which they shall eat it. And they shall eat the meat during the night, roasted over fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Don't eat it raw or sodden it all with water, but roasted with fire, his head and his legs with the internal organs. That's very key. You eat its internal organs for you. Again, you eat the internal organs that God commanded it. Let nothing remain of it until morning. The lamb speaks of Jesus, the lamb of God without spot that again, John the Baptist said, takes away the sin of the entire world. The lamb again teaches about Jesus. He's the lamb of God. He's without spot and he's been observed, uh, this lamb back there for three days by God and by man. But in Jesus' case, it was three years. The lamb could not be boiled. Water's a type of man and his help. God did not need man's help on the cross. The lamb had to be roasted. Jesus was burned with hell's fire, suffered spiritual death, separation from the Father for our sins. The blood saved them from the death angel. That's God's anger. And we'll never, we will never fear spiritual death or Satan. So again, the blood saved them from the death angel. This was God's anger being vented. And we will never fear spiritual death or Satan or face the wrath of God. They had to eat all of the lamb. I want you to understand that. They had to eat all of the lamb, including the internal organs, including the intestines. All these things had to be eaten. Why? Why? You see, that's a terrible thing to do. No, it was a wonderful thing to do. Think about this. If Jesus on the cross represented that lamb back there, and that lamb represented Jesus going to the cross, it could be that he was up there and he was dying for not only the sins of the world, but for sickness and disease. And they were to eat every part of the lamb. Why? Think about this. Blind people ate the lamb's eyes. What type of eyes? Perfect eyes as perfect as a lamb could have it, but Jesus had perfect eyes on the cross. 
And when you accepted him as Lord and Savior, which you did, many of you, as the second half of this broadcast began, you ate all of the lamb. All of the lamb included the organs and the intestines on the inside. Blind people ate the lamb's eyes, perfect eyes. Deaf people ate the lamb's ears, perfect hearing. Paralyzed people ate the lamb's legs. Mentally ill people ate the lamb's brain. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb slain for us. By eating all parts of him, we have healing for all parts of us. Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 22. My son, attend to my words, all of them. Incline your ear to my sayings, all of them. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. And it's even typified back there where they ate the entire lamb. When we are saved, we eat all of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 29 through 30. He who eats and drinks unworthily, that means sin in your life, unforgiveness in your life, bitterness in your life. He who eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks judgment. Your King James says damnation, but that's not what it means. It means we drink judgment to ourselves, not discerning the Lord's body. Notice this, when Jesus went to the cross, he offered his body for us. The main thing he offered his body for was us to be saved, to take us to heaven. That's the greatest thing that will ever happen because you can be saved on this earth and never get healed of anything, die of some sickness or die of some disease, and but you're still gonna go to heaven. Why? Because that's the most important thing for you. He gave you eternal life and eternal life means that when I pass out of this earth, I'm gonna be with God forever and forever. But he did die for your sickness and your disease. We found this in certain sections of scripture, Matthew 8, 17, 16, that Jesus Christ healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah 53, verse four, himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. On the cross, he did that. And it's correctly translated there. Jesus correctly translated the Bible that the Holy Spirit wrote and told us he did that. We're told many times again that Jesus Christ did that. And Jesus Christ, Christ came to heal diseases and heal sicknesses, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. This was in Peter's sermon. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And here we have it again, that sickness comes from Satan. The same author of sin is the same author of sickness. Yet Jesus went to the cross and he died for them. So for this cause, not discerning the Lord's body, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Let's take a look at that verse again. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 29 and 30. He who eats and drinks unworthily. This is a Christian partaking of communion. I want you to say and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. How is it that sickness comes upon us? We don't understand the Lord's body. There are two points and two parts to the communion. There's the cup and there is the bread. The cup represents his blood and the bread represents his body. But I want you to notice it wasn't by his blood that we were healed, by his blood we're forgiven of sins. It's by his stripes we were healed. And notice what it says here, the reason why you're, you're sick and weak among you, you didn't discern the Lord's body. You didn't understand when you took that piece of bread, this speaks of divine healing. This one speaks of the blood of Jesus, forgiveness of sins. This one represents the fact that Jesus by his stripes went to the cross and took every sickness, every disease known to mankind, and we can trust him for it. Again, it's only for this lifetime, but the point of it is too, is Jesus used healing everywhere to help bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
because the person being healed could not heal themselves nor forgive their own sins. But by Jesus healing them, they understood something. Then this guy can also take away my sins. I have found the author of eternal life. We need to properly understand the body of the Lord. When we do, we will no longer be sick or die early. So what do you have need of? The perfect part of Jesus is inside of you. If you need a healing for a heart, Jesus had a perfect heart. You need hearing, he had perfect hearing. I mean, you need, you know, new muscles. I mean, things are wearing out in your body. Stand there and believe God because why Jesus took those on the cross and the perfect part of Jesus is waiting to be put into me so that I can receive divine healing. We're talking all this week on the subject of divine healing and I know you're going to be blessed as we talk about the, the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.